following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Come on! Come on! Man, I know y'all had Pastor Brett Jones last week and you got Wayne Francis coming but I want to make sure that I let them know that y'all clapped louder for me when I was on the screen. So I appreciate that because I don't feel like I'm a guest here today. I feel like I'm at my home away from home here at Christian Life Austin. And I am so grateful to see what God is doing in this house. Some people pray for miracles like this. Some people pray for moves of God like this, and y'all are standing in the middle of a move of God in the city of Austin, and I'm grateful. I'm charged up. Grateful to be here. You guys can be seated. I have to say thank you so much to Pastor Rex, to Patty. Thank you, my family. See, people don't believe this, but we're kin. And, and that's his word. I don't use that word. Um, we're family through my wife's side of the family, and it's an honor. I married up, and it's not just because of my wife, but because of all my wonderful family that I acquired. I've got my Uncle Alan here tonight as well, and uh, he's my special guest, so make him feel welcome. <laughs> Grateful to have him here. And then I got all my friends here. I got Pastor Phil, Pastor Brad. Do they call you Pastor Jaron here? Okay, I'm going to call you Pastor. What's up, Bishop? Got all my homies here. And uh, just so grateful. I value every one of you um, so much. And uh, I I only have a certain amount of time, so I'm not going to waste it thanking everyone. But I have to say, it is such an honor to share on this particular platform from this particular pulpit Because I know some of the greatest messages that have ever been preached have been preached from that man sitting right over there. So it is is no small thing for me. Can we pray together, Jesus? Thank you so much for your presence that is here and that is tangible. God, your word said that where the spirit of the Lord is... There is liberty. There is freedom in this place. Lord, so for any individual that walked in feeling bound, feeling restricted, I pray that tonight that this would be a moment of freedom. I declare that tonight is going to be a time where peace enters into our heart in a profound way and that you continue the transformative work by your spirit to make us more and more like you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Amen. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name. I'm not going to waste my time singing, so you better get in quick here. Say, there is power in the name. And what does the name of Jesus do? Breaks every chain, break every chain, breaks every chain. Saying there is power. There is power. 
to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. One more time. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Amen. Y'all got other preachers coming. So I got to do something they can't do because they can preach better than me, but I can sing better than them. So I know that's a fact. But I've realized at this point, I actually have to go out to places for my singing to be appreciated. It's not appreciated at home anymore. I was, I was just, you know, in a little moment with my wife, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I thought, I'm going to be sweet. You know, I'm going to be sweet. I'm just going to love her a little bit. So I started singing a little love song to her, you know, like married folk do. And uh, just started singing a little love song. And when I got done, she was like, I don't think you had to sing it that high. (laughs) Seriously, babe? Are you kidding me? My wife's pretty amazing. She's not here tonight. She's in Houston. And uh, she's going to be with me Friday night. Uh, She is the best part of this duo, but I learned something very quickly when we got married, that there are two types of people in the world. There are planners, and there are non-planners. There are people that live to schedule every single day of their lives. And then there are the people who like to live at a pace of freedom, that like to live creatively and whimsically and imaginatively. We don't have time for plants. We just want to enjoy life and see what happens. I quickly realized that my wife and I were different. She's a planner, and I'm a non-planner. But she's not just like a normal planner. Like, I understand you've got a calendar, you know? I understand you write birthdays down. But no, the highlight of my wife's life is each year picking out her new Erin Condren planner. Have you guys heard of this thing? First of all, this thing is expensive, okay? It, it's, it costs a lot of money. And, and, and so I'm, I'm wondering, babe, like, what's, what are the parts of your life that you really look forward to? Like, was it marrying me? You know, was it when we had our first child, second, third, we quit? No. The best part of her life is when she clicks place order <laughs> on the Erin Condren website. She loves the plan. Now, this, this, I'm not exaggerating. When we have a dentist appointment, she takes a little sticker with teeth, and she puts it on the day <laughs> with the time when the dentist appointment. All of our birthdays, our pictures are printed into the planner for the day. Some of you ladies are shaking your heads. And some of you men have PTSD like me. I mean, it got out of control at one point. She was sending me email notifications for garbage day. 
Who does that? This is crazy. You're going to be hearing about this on some true crime podcast soon. Because I can't take much more of it. I, I just appreciate when you get to go with the flow. And I realized quickly that that was not going to happen. You know, my, my wife also likes Pinterest. I'm so glad she's not here because I don't know if I would live another day. But she loves Pinterest. And for some of you, you don't know what Pinterest is. Pinterest is your wife silently staring at her phone for three hours. And then you don't see her for a little while. And she comes back at dinner with celery in a mason jar. And it's like, here, babe, here's dinner. I thought we'd go clean tonight. Vegan? Anyone? I'm like... I pay people to cut my grass. I don't want to eat it. Are you, why would I? So she was on Pinterest one fall. This was a few years ago now. And we were having one of those trunk or treats. You know, it's how Christians get away with celebrating Halloween. And um, trunk or treat, you know, just happens to be on October 31st. And um, so we're, we're at the, the parking lot and... Um, we know that it's going to be a contest because church folk are some competitive people. <laughs> and so you can't just bring like some sea level trunk or treat car. People completely build kingdoms around their cars to display their candy for the neighborhood. And so she got on Pinterest and she saw this little plan on there, this picture of a, a pirate ship. A Viking ship. Now, I have to confess to you, there are some things that I've been graced to know how to do. But when it comes to building, I'm not a builder. Can we build it? No, we can't, okay? My, my name's not Bob. I'm Torin. Those are so far apart. I just... I'm not, a, I'm not a builder. I'm not going to get on Pinterest and build you a ship. What? What do you think? But, but she, she's like, no, it's going to be great, babe. You're going to love it. I'm, I've already ordered the costumes. It's going to be great. You're going to have a beard. It's going to be wonderful. And uh, so I'm like, okay, you know, happy wife, happy life. What my baby wants, my baby gets, you know. <laughs> baby wanted three lemons. Um, and so I, I went and we went to Walmart, you know, how every horror story starts. <laughs> we're at Walmart, and uh, we're walking around trying to find supplies for our ship. So I'm like, you know what would be cool? It would be cool if we got like a shower curtain, and we used that as the, the, the sail. You know, and then we'll, we'll get the umbrella and we'll use that as the mast. And then I've got a, a, a refrigerator box in the garage. I'll take that. We'll paint that. And we'll put that around the car. And I'll take the tarp. Let me get this tarp here. And uh, we'll put it under the car so that it looks like the ocean. Okay? And so, <laughs> so, so $400 later, I'm walking out of Walmart with all these supplies like, hi-ho. Hi-ho. Like, I'm doing this. 
I'm about to, I'm about to be sailing, y'all. I'm going to win this little contest. So we get and we put the whole thing together. And, you know, what my wife didn't tell me was there was another website called Pinterest Fails. That's where you attempted to do the picture you saw and realized there is something different about you and the people that did it. And so this is what we ended up with on, 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 on Trunk or Treat. Hey, I found out today I was nominated for three Dove Awards, so that's cool. And, and when you look at pictures like that, you have to say things like that to yourself <laughs> so you don't throw yourself in front of a bus. But um, So here's our Viking ship. What I do like about it, though, is the goatee because that's nice. It's genetically impossible for me to grow that, so I did enjoy that experience. But I, I realized something. Just because you have... A picture does not mean you have the plan to carry out what you see. Although I wouldn't consider myself a planner, I can say that I appreciate when people have a plan. When someone has gone ahead of me and thought this through. When someone put it together, because I realized that having a plan can allow you to avoid a lot of confusion, a lot of frustration, a lot of difficulty. A plan can help, but I realized that there is a gap between my preferred future and where I presently am, and it is only a plan that connects me to the vision that God has for my life. See, so many of us have a picture of what we want marriage to look like, a picture of what we want life to look like, a picture of what we want our career to look like, a picture of what we want our kids' success to look like, and it's all serene, and it all feels like it's possible, but when we start to consider the reality of our lives, we have no plan. So what do we do? This is the time when we learn to lean on Jesus because what I love about God is that he always has a plan. That when I don't understand, when I can't see it, when I can't put the pieces together, I lean on the reality that God has gone before me, that God, God is behind me, and that God is with me right where I am, and that he has considered all things from the end to the beginning, and he has a plan. In fact, in John 1.1, Scripture says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That word, word there, literally, literally means plan. So that Scripture could read, in the beginning was the plan, and the plan was with God, and the plan 
was God. See, from the onset of time, God has had a plan. And that plan materialized in a person. Because when God has a plan, he always wraps a person around it. When God has a dream, he always wraps a person around it. And in a time 2,000 years ago, when the first century world found themselves in utter cultural disarray, the plan arrived on the scene, and the plan had a name, and his name was Jesus. And it was upon his shoulders that every government and every kingdom would set. God has a plan. I want you to take courage because it's almost as if what was happening in the first century church is just as pertinent as it is to the 21st century church. That's you and me. That's where we're at. I don't know if you've looked around at a, at a newsstand recently, but people have dubbed the age of this culture as the age of fear. And so we have the symptoms of fear penetrating the church. But we do not relegate ourselves to the dominion of fear because we are in the world, but we are not of it. So what's true in the culture isn't true in the church because I'm not standing on a philosophy. I'm not standing on an idea. I'm not standing on a politic. I'm standing on the word of God, and the word of God has proven itself to be true. God has a plan. Be encouraged. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your marriage. God has a plan for your career. Don't get frustrated and disappointed because you can't see it all right now. Trust and believe that God has a plan. Now, I'm a fairly analytical individual. I am always analyzing things. I got to think it through. Then I got to think it back again. Then I have to consider it one more time just to make sure I got it right. Some of you in here are probably that way. You want to understand it. And so I love this reality that God has a plan. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans not to harm you, but to prosper you, to give you hope and a future, and to bring you to an expected end. But this is, I started thinking about this. Praise God, he has a plan. That's wonderful. Preacher's real nice. But I'm over here like, what is it? <laughs> you feel me? Okay, God, I'm glad you have a plan. Would you like to let me in on it? <laughs> because I'm frustrated with your timetable. I don't understand what's happening. And I love that scripture, for, for I know the plans I have for you, except this, only God knows. <laughs> only God knows the plan. That's how we know God is not a woman. Because, 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 if, if God was a woman, we would all know the plan. We would. And it would probably be done more.
more efficiently, but that's another story. God, can you be more specific? Because I'm trying to find a spouse, and she looked good. She looked good. She looked good. He got money. He got money. He got all his teeth. Tell the truth, shame the devil. God, I, we've been married for a few years, and, and I think we need to have kids. I'm reading your word, and the scripture says that arrows are hands, or children are like arrows in the hands of the Almighty. Blessed is the man who has a quiver full. I'm not a hunter. What's a quiver? Don't King James me message me. I need to know what this means. How many arrows go in a quiver? I don't know. How many kids am I supposed to have so that I can be effective in life and ministry without overwhelming myself and my spouse while being productive to the thing you've called me for while not abandoning my children so that I fulfill some purpose so I feel important? Like, I need to under, it'd be great if it was like, okay, Wells family, none, great, um, (laughs) Life would be so much easier, praise God. <laughs> You've got a plan for your career, but you have to make choices early because you have to go to college and you have to choose a major. And I was reading through the Bible the other day, and there's no scripture on what major you should choose. Can I get an amen? amen. I mean, do I take a year off before I go to college? Do I go immediately Can I change my major a few times while I figure this out? Once I get in a job and I realize I don't like it, like, is my purpose aligned with my position? Is my soul fulfilled by the thing that I'm doing to make money? All these questions, and I'm over here looking at God like, so if I could know the plan, (laughs) that would be very helpful And so we ask God to reveal it to us. And this is where we have to learn how God works. And I'm going to break it down for you. There are three ways that we see God's will. Now, your pastor told me you were a preaching church. And I believe him because it feels good up here. But I I just want to teach just for a few moments and stop sweating and dripping brown sugar all over this platform. We have to understand how God works. There are three ways that God works. First, I'm just going to keep it simple. It's God's works. These are his sovereign plans. This is God's sovereign will. This is big picture God. This is macro God. This is, I am orchestrating the events of time to bring forth my intention and my purpose. You see, nothing stops the deliberate plan of God. Nothing stops the deliberate will of God. An example of this, God creating the world. Nothing could stop God from creating. It is in his nature. That is who he is. No attack of the enemy could stop it. The birth of 
of Jesus while children were being slain all over that area at that time. Still, Jesus emerges in the midst of a culture full of death and chaos because nothing could stop the Messiah from getting to you. Even the death of Jesus was the deliberate plan, the book of Acts says. Jesus wasn't killed by people. He laid his life down. This was the deliberate plan of salvation for the people of God. So God works in a general sense, orchestrating the events of the world. And then there is God's ways. These are his moral laws. This is how those of us who call ourselves believers are supposed to do life. These are the guiding principles of our life. Things like the Ten Commandments, good idea, the Beatitudes, biblical principles like love and humility, purity, holiness, generosity, patience, kindness, the fruits of the Spirit, These are God's ways. This is how we live life. This is how we interact with God and how we interact with one another. God's ways are not always easy, but they are always clear. God has given us a clear way to please him, to walk in his word, and to serve and love the people around us. And the church said, amen. Amen. Then there are... Um, God's personal will. There is God's personal will. Now, this is where many of you will perk up because this is where God orchestrates the events of your life. So we're going to talk about you for a minute. And everyone leans in right here because we are our favorite subject. (laughs) Am I right, Phil? Come on. Just kidding. I love Phil. See, so many of us deal with these questions when we talk about the will of God. We are wrestling with what the, I don't want to miss God's will. Well, if it's God's will, I'll see you tomorrow. It's like a train that if you don't arrive on time, you get missed in history. Where's God's will? But God has a specific plan for your life. This is where we learn the the where's of our life, the what's of our life. This is where we want answers. This is where, God, I have a decision to make, and I need you to show me what you want me to do. But let me pose this question to you tonight. What if God is more concerned with us making his ways the focal point of our lives? And not his will. How much time do we waste trying to figure out if it's of God or not? What things did you not go after in your life because you didn't know if God would be with you if you went? But the only examples I see in scripture are people that went And allowed the Lord to lead them to the place he wanted them to go. 
What if life is more about the path than the plan? What if we were more concerned with discovering, doing, and desiring God's ways, thoughts, principles, attributes, character, than we were with where we're going, how we're getting there, and who's coming with us? Because we access... The power of God when we submit to the God of the process. The plan is his will. The process is his way. The plan is God's personal will for our lives, but the process is the journey. When we focus more on where we are going than who we are becoming, we miss the power of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So I know that you've heard it said, where there is a will, there's a way. But I want to flip that idea on its head and let you know that where there's a way, there's a will. Woo! I don't have to live frustrated. I don't have to live in tension. I don't have to live wondering what's going to happen next. No, because God's ways are clear. And if I'm walking in his ways, I will always be in his will. When I'm walking in his ways, I will always be in his will. When I'm walking in purity, when I'm walking in truth, when I'm walking in love, when I'm walking in generosity, I don't have to ask questions every single day. I get to follow the ways of God and rest assured that I am in the center of his will for my life. All you want to put your hands together. That should set you free because most of us want a show and tell God. Show me, Lord. Show, show, praying. Show me. Tell me, Lord. Tell me. Just let me know. And God is saying, if you'll just walk in my ways, you'll be in my will. See, I found that we want God to reveal the concealed part of his will. But he wants us to obey the revealed part of his ways. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Now, another version says, in all your ways, submit to him and he will direct your paths. See, I love the translation that says acknowledge, but we have to understand the spirit of it. Many of us are cool with acknowledging God while we make our plans. God, I'm going to marry him. I hope you bless it. God, I'm, I'm taking that job, and I'm moving to a city, and I'm moving my family 
where I don't know a soul and I don't know where I'm going to church. I hope you bless me as I go. It's true. We don't just need to acknowledge God. We need to submit to his ways. And if we submit to his ways, we will be in his will. But if we're honest, many of us are far educated beyond our level of obedience. And I wonder how many blessings have your name on it that have been delivered to a destination of obedience that you have not arrived to yet. And if you would stop having to know everything, you could get everything that God wants to send you. But instead of running the race, we analyze in the track. Am I okay, Pastor? See, with God, life is not about destinations. Life is a journey of obedience. One writer said that it's minute obedience in the same direction. Walking in his ways. And I know, oh man, no guest speaker wants to come to a church and talk about obedience. Especially when you look 14 and you're talking to grown folk. <laughs> really, Lord? Here am I, send him. But you know what I realized? The church has this distorted understanding of what obedience is and what obedience does. See, it's almost like a dirty word in church, obey. It feels so Old Testament, so heavy. But it's not heavy when I'm talking to my six-year-old and my three-year-old and my 20-month-old, and I'm trying to protect them from things they can't see because they don't see it from the perspective that I see it, and they don't understand it with the thoughts that I have, and they can't articulate their feelings about it. They just have to trust that I have the best intention for their life, whether obedience feels good or not. And that's the context that we have in this relationship with Jesus. He is our heavenly father. He is not, contrary to popular opinion and culture, Jesus is not walking around with the gavel, just ready to smash people who aren't listening to him. If that were the case, humanity would already be wiped out. <laughs> he said, I have not come into the world to condemn it, but that you might have life. 
And this is what I've, I'm trying to develop this in my own life, what obedience really is. Obedience is listening and responding. It's listening and responding. When I'm in my word every day, I don't have to go get a word. The word is 66 books a word. It's available to us all the time. There is a word in there for you. And if you walk in his ways, according to his word, you can cast off the difficulty and the frustration of this life. Because when you obey God, blessing follows obedience. My pastor, when I was growing up, I was probably 15, you know, I would have conversations with him, and they would all be me coming in to tell him what I was going to do, you know, since I was 15 and so smart. And so I would go and I'd say, hey, pastor, this is what, this is what I'm going to do. Is that okay? He would always say yes. And then... I was making a decision about Bible college, went to him, and I said, Pastor Hopper, I'm thinking about going to Bible college. What do you think? He said, Torin, you must be growing because this is the first time you have ever come in to ask me. What I think, as your pastor, your watchman on the wall, would be good and beneficial for your life. See, so many of us have conversations with spiritual leaders, if we're man enough to have them. To walk into a pastor's office and look them in the eyes and tell them what's on your heart. And to submit our ways. This idea of having a pastor in 2019 is foreign to so many. You mean to tell me that there's going to be another man that's going to give me direction in my grown life? Yet scripture says that there is safety in a multitude of counsel. That wisdom is a treasure like in a hidden field that we should pursue. And I don't think we ever outgrow the necessity of being aligned with the man of God in our lives. Clap like you believe it. I was making a huge life change a couple years ago. And I went into my pastor's office, who is also my father-in-law, figured that out, <laughs> told him some things that I felt like the Lord had put on my heart. I said, I think I need to do something different. And he said, well, let's pray about it. Came back and I said, you know, with where I feel like I'm being called into ministry, I think I need to, to step out to a different space. And I said, here are the three places 
that I'm looking at going. I would love for you to be a part of that process. And he looked at me and he said, Torin, I want you to notice something in your life. That your submission has led to your advancement. He said, you have a submissive spirit and I will never use it against you. First of all, we need pastors like that. Thank God for this man right here. And then on the flip side, we need saints like that. That take the word of God seriously and the man of God seriously. And will want to hear, Lord, show me your ways. Speak to my heart. Because I'm trying to find my place in all of this. And it seems like there's no place for me. I'm I'm trying to figure out how I walk out this journey with Jesus, and it all gets so confusing and overwhelming sometimes, and I want to encourage you tonight, church, that you are not the only place or the only person that's been in a place where you feel frustrated. You're not the only person that's been in a place where you feel confused about the future and what the future holds. As a matter of fact, I can go to John 14. And we see this dialogue that takes place between Jesus and Thomas. And Jesus says this, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would not have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. I want you to know in a disheveled world where your marriage can get you feeling out of place, your career can get you feeling out of place, the spaces that you inhabit feel like they just don't fit for you. There is a place for you and it is a kingdom. It's a kingdom that is ruled with love and with righteousness. You have a place. I don't care how broken your past is. I don't care how fractured your family is. I don't care how many people you feel like you have let down. There is a place that God has prepared for you. And Jesus says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there ye may be also. Then he says something profound. And you know the way to the place I am going. Thomas said, like many of us would say, doubting Thomas. I like to call him analytical Thomas. It's not that he doubted the power of Jesus. He doubted the circumstance that he saw in his life. And so he was trying to figure it out. I've been there. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? And so many of us are fixated on a where fixated on a salary line, fixated on a relational status, 
fixated on a neighborhood, fixated on an occupation. We're trying to just figure out the way. We're trying to figure out the way beyond our brokenness, figure out the way beyond our dysfunction, figure out our way beyond addiction, figure out our way beyond a broken marriage and a broken home and confusion, trying to figure out a way beyond fear and a way beyond doubt. We're just trying to figure out the place that we can go and the way that we can get there. And Jesus responds to Thomas. He doesn't criticize him. He doesn't roll back the heavens to display all of the events that he's orchestrated through history. He doesn't play him game tape of the Red Sea and how he brought the people out of Israel and how he brought down the walls of Jericho and how he set captives free and how he healed the lame and how he healed the blind and how he opened mute mouths and how he opened blinded eyes. None of that, no highlight reel, no smackdown, no judgment, no condemnation. When so many of us feel like we can't bring our questions to the church, you can bring your questions to Jesus. He's not here to judge you. Not yet. But he responds to the question in Thomas's heart. And he says to him, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no man comes unto the Father except by me. Jesus is the way. He's the way that you've been looking for. It's not some idea of the age. It's not some philosophy of the culture. It's not a bank account status. It's not a ring on a finger. Jesus is the way. He's the way to happiness. He's the way to hope. He's the way to joy. He's the way to fulfillment. He's the way to power. He's the way to grace. He's the way to mercy. He's the way to truth. Jesus is the way. And we have no other way, for there is no name under heaven whereby we must be saved. Jesus is the way. Come on and give him a shout. Give him a shout. So Jesus, right now, show us who you are. Because when we see you, we see past the difficulties and the troubles and the trials of our lives. When we see you, we see past sickness and disease. When we see you, we see a place that has become a person that we can run to, who is our tower of refuge and strength. God, for those in the room that don't know you, that feel like they're far from you, let them realize that when they were running from you, they were running to you because you are the way. Lord, I pray that this word would be sealed in our hearts, that you would do what only you can do. Show us the different places in our lives that are unsurrendered where we have put up restricted access. God, we invite you in, and we want you to be our Lord. 
We want you to be our leader. We want you to be our father. I pray that we would walk in your ways and delight in you. That it wouldn't feel like work, it would feel like worship. That I would turn my questions into praise. That I would turn my whys into whos and realize who you are and who you have called me to be in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen.